Hi everyone and welcome to Opera Omnia season number four, episode number three. This is the season finale. Now I know what you're thinking. You're looking at your device just now saying, why is this show back? Um, it's not done anything in seven months. And the movie that these guys were talking about on this episode came out before so it's not as if we had to wait for it well you had to wait for it and the reason you had to wait for it is because you just had to wait for it sometimes things are best not rushed um and it kind of feels great to be coming back to kind of conclude this one the shortest this is the funny thing about it is the shortest run of movies i think i've done for any director in opera omnia thus far but the one in terms of getting synchronicity with timing and scheduling and all the rest is the one that just kind of is taking the longest to get to but I'm kind of excited to be welcoming back my guest uh, to discuss the final movie in the Alex Garland back catalogue. There was a danger he was going to release another movie by the time we recorded this <laughs> uh, but it's of course my very good buddy JP. How you doing? Hey buddy, I'm glad to be back. Uh, yeah, scheduling I remember actually uh we were but we were like on a you know one a month thing yeah and uh the we were supposed to record it towards the end of the year and i got, i think i got sick that's right yeah yeah <laughs> i got really sick <laughs> seven months um <laughs> <laughs> and then i don't know what happened after that it just <laughs> I, I think i think the thing is i think i tr i think I tried and you set a date and then I couldn't make it and then i think i tried with you and it was a date that you couldn't make and i was like let's just put this on the shelf for a bit um and we'll pick it up when the time comes right and even then we've been actively communicating for the like the last like four or five weeks trying yeah. to get a date locked in and um both sides would be like either i forgot or you've had to reschedule so um like we're, we're here we're gonna do this it's exciting and it's not because we don't want to talk about this movie i think there's it's an Alex Garland movie, so it's 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 full of ideas, it's full of subtext, which makes like it makes a, a fun a fun viewing. It's also a super polarizing movie. Um which his other ones aren't as much, which surprises me because I think of all these movies, this one is the one that's most simplistic um at its base. But uh, yeah, we're gonna be discussing men, the movie men. Now I've already <laughs> I've already said to JP off air that this is going to be a running theme on this episode because let's talk about men. The problem <laughs> with men is, um, which I think was the default like review of a lot of people when they saw this movie, yeah, was right. that they <laughs> the thought this movie was <laughs> like the problem men is. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to discuss that movie. Now, Opera Omnia is a simple concept. Um, it's a, it's a, just a look at a director's back catalogue of work. The twist in this one is, at the end of the episode, we basically have to say what our favourite movie, up to this movie we're reviewing in the back catalogue, um, what, what's our favourite title? Now, thus far, believe it or not, JP, we switched very quickly from the first title, um, Ex Machina, right into the second title, Annihilation, both of us saying our favourite movie thus far. Um, and at the end of this one, we will do the same, concluding out this series by saying, it, did men topple Annihilation? Or does Annihilation sit at the top? We may agree, we may disagree. It's always more fun when we disagree, but I do feel great when I agree with people, I'll be honest. Um, I don't think, I think there's only been one season thus far where at the end of it, myself and my chosen guest host 
um, have disagreed on the final movie and I want to say that was the Peter Strickland one and I want to say that's because Richard Glenn Smith was wrong. <laughs> um, so I know he's listening so you know what you did Richard and we'll, we'll meet back up in a month or so when we do Flux Gourmet uh, the new Strickland movie that's come out in the interim um, and there's been a ton of movement in terms of what the previous directors have done I know myself and Watson will have a double bill of weekly goodness um, over the summer where we will have to catch up with In the Earth and also do wait for it the Meg too. Um, oh, wow! Yeah, I didn't even know he was attached to that. Yeah, Ben Wheatley. <laughs> ben Wheatley directing that movie. Um, wow! Which, like, like, it's one of those things that when I heard that, I was like, the, like, did someone, how, how, like, how did his name come up? Did someone be like, <laughs> did you see Kill List? He should direct this giant shark movie. I like, I genuinely, I <laughs> yeah, that it's kind of a, I don't get it's an it. odd one. Is it like such an odd one? It like to the point where, like, if you look at any his most commercial movie is probably Free Fire, and even then I wouldn't have been like this guy should direct our giant shark movie. I just as <laughs> as yeah. So uh, Watson and myself, we're going to be discussing that. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I can't imagine we're going to be getting to the nitty gritty of subtext in that review. How did you think the shark? What's the shark the metaphor for? Um, I don't, like, I mean, I don't, I don't fucking know. I, I'm gonna have to listen to that one when, when Meg 2 comes out because he, he wasn't really Watson wasn't seeming keen uh, when, when I said to him that Wheatley was doing it, and I think he had hoped it was a vicious internet rumor, but uh, no, no, no. Um, we'll be discussing giant sharks and Jason Statham, uh, right? Um, yeah, let's, I'm super curious about this one. We're going to take a break and we're going to play the trailer for it. But I'm super curious about this one because I don't know where you land on this overall. We've never actually discussed the movie before, whereas I knew that you enjoyed Annihilation because we spoke about it for summer series on podcast Under the Stairs. Yep. Um, we've never we've never discussed this movie before. Um, and my review's out there, so people know what I I thought of. If they've listened to podcasts under the stairs, they will have heard me discuss this movie before. Um, so I, I I am super curious to see where you land, and the only way we're going to get to that is by taking a short break. So, ladies and gents, you're about to hear the trailer for 2022's Men, directed by Alex Garland. When we come back, myself and JP will be discussing that movie right after this. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Arifer, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful be house. Would it just be you staying? Or... Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Y yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh. God, sorry, I, I, I... I'm joking. I... Oh. <laughs> You're tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony. And let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. 
Why, I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Play a game. You hide. I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. What are you doing? What are you? Welcome back, ladies and gents. So, this movie is Men from 2022. This is written and directed, as all Alex Garland movies are, by Alex Garland. The movie itself stars Jesse Buckley, Rory Kinnear, uh, Papa Isidiu, Gail Rankin, Sarah Tuomi, Zach Rothera Oxley, and Soyona Mizuno, I think is how you pronounce that. Possibly not, because my pronunciation's. <laughs> fucking suck um the synopsis for this one is listed on imdb as a young woman goes on a solo vacation to the english countryside following the death of her ex-husband now let's get the controversial shit out of the way at the beginning there is a swath of the internet and i don't know if you land in this jp so like i i could be i could be <laughs> poorly describing you and if i am please tell me uh, and put me in my place there is a swath of the internet that saw this movie and thought it was quote-unquote woke, quote-unquote man-hating, um, quote-unquote feminist propaganda, uh, quote-unquote not a horror movie, I remember that one because that one did make me laugh quite a bit, um, and just utter tra- A24 trash. I love it when they go, that's just one of those A24 movies, isn't it? Where nothing fucking happens to the end and then when it does, you're not interested. Um, and I'm on the other side of that. I I, I I think, yes, it's a horror movie to I, I don't think this is a, a, a movie that hates men at all, even though it's titled Men. Um, I actually think of all the Alex Garland movies, this is the one that's the simplest, like, like in terms of its messaging. Um, and also, uh, I, I completely disagree with the, that this is a, an E24 movie where nothing happens until the end. Like this movie, of all these movies, I think is consistently unsettling from the fucking start to the end. Um, what about yourself as opening statements go here, uh, JP? Is this a movie that just hates men, that isn't a horror movie and nothing happens? Or, or do, I suppose my opening quick, do you actually enjoy this movie? Um, so first of all, I, I love mostly everything I see from A24. So I, I'm not one of the people that, <laughs> that you know, you use that to describe A24. I love A24. It's yeah. like you look at my top 10 lists from the last, you know, five years or six years or whatever. It's, yeah. There's always A24 representation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in terms of, uh, you know, feminist propaganda and this movie hates men and stuff like that. Um, no, I don't subscribe to that either. Um, and in fact, and I know you said this is the, the simplest one. 
and this was so this is different because I, this is the first of his movies i seen <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh or no no i no, don't you'd see seen annihilation but yeah, you yeah. hadn't seen ex machina and ex machina is the one that everyone says once you've seen ex machina you understand yeah. alex garland yeah and so but at the time that i saw this i didn't even know he had done yeah um and i didn't know who he was at the t- at the time yeah um, I just saw the trailer or trailer for this and then went into the cinema and seen it. And I honestly didn't completely get the movie mm. uh, when I was sitting there watching it. It wasn't until afterwards when I was talking with Carly and discussing things that I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I understand this a little bit more. It was just very weird to me at first. So, and I didn't pick up on a lot of the, um, you know, the metaphorical aspects uh, until my second view of it. Yeah. This, I think this is like my fourth view now because I watched it originally when we were supposed to record yeah. and then I, think I watched it again. Uh, so <laughs> this is like my fourth watch. And I think that like, okay, so my thing is when it comes to anything that could be interpreted as political or like taking a stance or whatever, I've always been the type of viewer to where it doesn't matter what I feel personally mm. anyway. I'm interested in what they have to say. Yeah. I want to see what the, they're... And even if it doesn't line up with exactly how I feel, I can still appreciate the messaging and what what they're saying. It doesn't... The art of it is more important to me than what the actual message is. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's important. I've felt. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's important. Like, I, think, I think we are small people if we don't get to experience other people's opinions through other mediums it doesn't mean i necessarily have to agree (laughs) like yeah and and it doesn't mean that i don't agree either it's just that like it doesn't matter to me what the actual message is in in terms of whether i like it or not The, the message itself does not matter it's how they tell the message and uh you know what they're saying yeah that i care about yeah i think What's what's really interesting about this movie is there's there's the two prong attack here um, in terms of what it's doing delivering. Um, one is the folk horror element, which is basically the backdrop of the movie, right? So mm-hmm. I think um, there was a lot of people that when they saw it, the they got really invested with that part of the movie, and as a result, the ending felt a bit jumbled and a bit messy for them. Um, so that there's that and it's very 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 well done and there's tons of symbolism there I mean you like, unpick like all the biblical references all the pagan references um, right through the green man you know it's like it, it follows a, a really interesting train of thought here but the movie at its core is a movie about trauma and abuse and ultimately the manifestation of the repeated male face on every character here is a, a kind of it's a very blunt actually like the folk horror stuff is done so exquisitely fine to the point that it, you could become absurd at any point but doesn't really um until the body horror stuff when it does kind of push things out but the idea and concept of trauma specifically one that comes from uh like a, a domestic abuse situation or even ptsd is the idea that the manifestation of the same face or the same idea or the same thought or the same memory is triggered regardless where you are so in the case of this one i think it was a a thing that i think people tried to 
Well, once again, I say people, it's unfair to use a sweeping comment, but some of the criticism at the time that I remember reading through some reviews um, were that, I, uh, you know, like the the minimal cast, the repetitive use of uh, Rory Kinnear as the, you know, uh, this is the, you know, they just try, like, all men are the same, and all, and that's not actually what the movie, like, because all men are not the same, because every character that Rory Kinnear plays in this one is a completely different facet of domestic abuse. It's, like, completely, it's, it's, it's on a different side, and the fact that the same face plays through all of them is that when people are abused, um, if someone suffers a violent act, someone's robbed, um, someone's raped, like any any of these things at all, or even putting like just a horrible confrontation with an argument, um, the, the you know that face, that expression will carry on with them, and that way where the you know like where someone has a messy breakup and they say you know everywhere I look everything reminds me of her. Um, yeah. That you know that that comes with it. It's part of these things get ingrained with us. Rory Kinnear plays essentially different archetype characters in this movie of men in position of power, uh, minus the kid, uh, but like men in position of power, whether it's in the classes system in England or the through the church or through the constabulary or whatever it is, he, he plays those archetype roles. But his personality and his view are at the most extreme levels of um, of abuse. Like, the, like, just the way he speaks down, the way he acts and all the rest. So this is not a movie that is, like, that is saying that this is only men that can do this. And I think that was the thing that was kind of lost. If you actually hear Garland speak about it himself, you know, he, he's like that. No, it's just the vehicle. Like, I, I just chose to do in this movie, but it's not saying that that's what men are like or it can yeah. only be done by men it can easily be done there's there's plenty of relationship well, also it's just it's this woman's story exactly it's it's how she's interpreting the what her abuse and and yeah. or and her um you know trauma and ptsd and stuff like that yeah so it, it's not a representation of every single man on earth yeah I mean? it's it's and i get once again i get people here and like well, the title of the movie is men, so that's right. what we, and, we just have to hold on to that, that all know, the way through. <laughs> she is seeing the same face and stuff yeah. like that, but you have to take it in with the context of the film. It, yeah. Like on the surface level, it's like you take the, that concept and you're like, oh yeah, it's representing every single man. But in the context of the movie, it's her point of view, it's her story, it's what she's seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I I think that, and to be honest, I. That to me is as dense a conversation it is. That's a super easy concept to. I've never seen it done this way in a movie before, um, and I, I find it like really refreshing. I, the the reason I use it as blunt is that to me it's so it's so on the surface of this movie all the way through. It's unavoidable and you can't escape it, um, and it's it's constantly there. Whereas the the use of nature of religion of um the, the uh, esoteric and the occult 
all those things are the fine crafting in the background whether it's the the homeless guy who is is changing into the image of the green man which is a pagan deity or you know the, the idea of even like thing to the pure like right from the moment she arrives and bites into the apple and there's the idea of adam <laughs> and eve in the garden of eden you know what i mean it's all these like all that's in there and i think it's it's an interesting conversation but i don't think I don't think you need to understand all that to get something out of this movie. Um, well, I you think, definitely don't yeah. because I didn't understand any of that until I read, <laughs> read into it. Besides, maybe the uh, you know the subtle, the, the the obvious ones like the Garden of Eden yeah. and stuff like that. But I didn't notice the you know like the altar and mm. like the pagan uh, deities and stuff like it's that. It's a I British didn't... thing to be to be fair that like <laughs> those are those are British pagan deities. So like if you'd be like that, mm, I'd be like. Has JP been to England? He's been dancing around Stonehenge <laughs> at Midsummer. I don't know. Yeah, but no, it, it's it's fascinating. I, and I love movies that, you know, there's more. Mm -hmm. uh, you can completely grasp the story and the concepts behind it and never even notice the, the there's even more layers deeper if you look. Yeah. Uh, and that that's always cool with movies with me is whenever you are able to then find oh oh and that was also part of this i didn't even realize that that's really cool let me look into that it's alex garland's mo like pretty yeah. much now there were three <laughs> were three movies in and none of these movies all these movies have like a, the, the, the kind of top layer of story that you can be oblivious to everything else that's happening in the movie and you're going to either enjoy a kind of uh, a tense sci-fi raid, a sci-fi horror raid, or in the case of this one, a kind of folk horror. Um, you can get that, but all these movies have that thing that if you if you have a passing interest or you see something that, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to Google that, you can lose, like, a good few hours, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, in a rabbit hole, digging out all these, and what does he mean when he's using this, and why did he decide to do that? Um the big thing for me and the thing that floored me seeing this in the cinema is and i think this is like it's not his most out there movie in terms of because the two previous movies are grounded in science fiction so they are by their nature fantastical and like the elements you can use in cinematography and digital effects you, you can't really question them because they're science fiction you know they're they're, they're they're elements that don't exist just now so um your brain kind of has to be like that or that's it's a super cool effect um the cinematography in this movie is fucking jaw-dropping like it's absolutely incredible and it leans into it's kind of like that post ben wheatley thing of of kind of like the the english landscape is in itself mm. a character and um, the, yeah. the bright greens the the, the kind of the orange lights throughout the whole of this this movie it, it just like everything about it is just really really vibrant and like even down to the end where it goes for lack of a better word full body horror um <laughs> even at that point it is so it's so vibrant that the, the blood and all the rest is so over the top and it's so rich and uh, and kind of garish and in your face i i fucking love the look of this movie and it's one of those oh, ones where all these movies now are just like i said it before to you i think we joked about it in the first episode right pick one thing and be good at one thing right right you're the guy that wrote the all these great movies that's great right you pick that thing right and you're a great writer right or oh, right so you write and direct well that's kind of cool right you're a great director and, um, that. and then you see 
the look and feel of these movies and you just realize that the dude is super talented um across the board uh mm -hmm. the, the the storytelling and the visual aspect which i think at times where you get directors that make that shift over uh one side is never as polished as the other and he seems to be like as equally polished on both <laughs> sides which like like i said before like i'm all for being talented but there is a limit alex garland like come on motherfucker like pick it pick a side pick a side um but it is it, 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 this movie looks incredible and then on the back of that um the performance here the central performance of jesse buckley who is an incredible actress in her own right um is fucking phenomenal she is amazing in this movie like every time she's scared or she's feeling uncertain or just a look in her face yeah you feel well, that she she does the emotions really well oh, especially God. when when you, you see that inner dialogue of of you know that that sort of well if i didn't do this exactly would this have happened type yeah. thing and and it, it's a debate with yourself because even though a logical person could look from the sideline and be like no that's it's not your fault it, it's still whenever you know you have feelings yourself on, on your inside you're still going to question that you know because you're so closely tied to the the incident mm -hmm. and you could see all that process on her face and and especially the scene with the the pre preacher and stuff yeah. like that it, it's she's very good in this movie yeah she's a, she's a, like she has a phenomenal actor like we've been following her career in the uk for quite a while and uh, she really really delivers here as does rory kinnear rory kinnear <laughs> gets the he gets the dream job as an actor um and that he gets to play multiple roles all at various different shades of deplorable um and he's 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 excellent in this i, I think you can tell he's having a ball making the movie, which is, you know, it shines through. He's, he's the perfect villain in this movie. And even at times, even where it's like the Lord of the Estate, whose house that she is staying in, when you hear like the way he talks, it's, I don't think that is a bad character per se, but there is, it's true to life. Like there is a, a kind of, there is a, a way that um, upper class or aristocratic people in, in the UK behave. And it is not the way that normal people behave. It's <laughs> incredibly dismissive. It doesn't really take into account anything that the quote-unquote common person goes through because these are these are objects and things like... Is, is that way where, like, where, where people... like It's where, where rich people use the line... Uh, life is not all about money or money won't solve all your problems i think it will um like, you know actually actually i'm gonna disagree with that. i think it will solve maybe 99 percent of them and that other one percent i'll handle you know I'll, yeah, I'll, right. I'll, I'll deal with that money's a bit but like if you've never had that struggle before if you've never you know had to experience what it's like to live like that uh, any small flat in london with an abusive partner who is playing horrible psychological warfare on you constantly. It's very easy to be dismissive about that, which he is. And I don't think his dismissive attitude is coming from a place of malice. It's coming from the way he's been brought up. It's the surroundings. It's the same yeah. with the preacher. 
the preacher has a, a very hard locked in view of the world which comes from being a minister in a small town like they're just very judgy and very preachy the little boy um the little boy is a product of his environment it's kind of like when you watch eden lake and you see the the main shithead in that movie and you're like <laughs> how does someone get like that and then you see his parents and you're like oh that's oh, how you yeah, got like that 100 percent. and so you got like that aspect as well the way the police officer behave like all these things are are in themselves and i think that's the interesting element behind it i think he's great at his core this movie is harper played by jesse buckley who is trying to escape um the trauma of the death of her ex-husband um a guy who is viciously violent towards her and then keeps every time she tries to leave keeps using the most fucked up way of trying to keep someone in a relationship of if you leave i will kill myself and then it's only you that can keep me alive and he actually yeah. physically I, th that's literally literally like my biggest gripe whenever i hear or someone tells me they were in a relationship yeah like that like i hate when people do that it's it's the most like selfish ignorant thing that you could possibly do to someone yeah i in mean a relationship. you're locking someone in through and it's clear that their relationship neither one of them is in love with the either one you know the other one but it's a, it's a control mechanism um and he does it he you know he throws himself off the top of the building uh commits suicide and destroys harper as a character so she decides to get away to the country and that trauma goes with her it carries right through um and then ultimately what is what is played out is this kind of is this giant metaphor for 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 grief and trauma and, and and all those aspects that come with it against like i say the backdrop of uh small town england and the, and, and and folk horror-esque tropes um it's pacing this is like an hour and 40 minutes so this is shorter than annihilation it's not that far off the the um, length of ex machina either um and i thought the pacing wise i mean I, once again we're not we're not talking about hours saved here annihilation is just just under two hours long so it's not it's not a hugely long movie um, and actually doing the check in here Ex Machina is longer as well by like about 8 minutes so this is his shortest movie still an hour and 40 minutes how do you feel about the pacing because this is a movie that really enjoys just shots of scenery um, yeah but you know what with those shots of, of scenery and stuff like that there is this uneasy feeling mm -hmm. especially because you you know once you see the naked man and even i love that scene in the tunnel where, oh, where it's like like i love that it's so cool and and it's creepy and um and there's this eerie quality throughout the entire movie that kind of keeps my attention even though it is a, a little bit on the slower side mm -hmm. there's a <laughs> the trailer for men reminded me in the best possible way and i've got to stress this the best possible way um the same way the teaser trailer from mother the aronofsky movie um came out i remember sitting in the cinema and just a lot of fucking shit like just flashing by on the screen and, and like the, the the you know the words come on the screen uh, you'll know where you were when you saw mother 
and I was just like, holy fucking shit, I know nothing about this movie and I need to see it. Um, and Men was exactly the same. That trailer is the whole section in that tunnel, uh, or was in the UK, I don't know what it was in the States, um, but it was just basically that, uh, with some snippets of like flash shots in between. And I remember yeah. coming at that like going, I don't know what this movie is, <laughs> like at all. And I was so fucking excited about it and I was thinking to myself, that's how you cut a trailer. It doesn't work for every movie, but that's how you cut a trailer. My interest is 100% peaked but I know yep. absolutely nothing about this movie. Like, like I'm going in, I'm going in blind. Um, and like the horror aspect about it, this is one of the things I mentioned earlier on. Where you know there was a, a certain section of the audience that didn't like it, it. wasn't a horror movie to them, or they felt it took too long to get to the horror aspects. And like you mentioned before, like all those transition shots there's a level of kind of like ominousness about them that just kind of hangs over mm -hmm. over the top and i think it's all the way there's there's a shot in this like there's shots in this movie where the camera moves like the fucking evil dead like up the garden towards the door and you can't see what she can see but like there's there's all these little nods and and little aesthetic choices and little things that he does as a director that like grim this purely in, in the horror genre in a way that his other movies like I remember hearing people saying Annihilation isn't a horror movie and I, I remember arguing with them but there was a point where I'm like that I, I'm not going to argue beyond that you know like if you thought yeah. that the, the bear scene was the only scene there to scare and the actual concepts about the movie as a whole aren't fucking soul destroying then that's fine right I'd, like, I'm not going to argue with you but anyone that watched Men and came out and was like that was not a horror movie I just, like, it just left me like, <laughs> yeah I think this is the most horror of oh, the all of them yeah he said that himself this is my horror movie I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm making an unabashed straight up in your face horror movie and uh, like all the way through it I felt like yeah yeah like mission accomplished um, I, I felt he achieved it uh, so I, like it confused me uh, that, that the people didn't pick up on that but then once again uh, not even from a subjective point of view I just think this movie wears it very much on on its surface than the other movies uh, I, I feel like like you said like the ominous music those shots of the quiet countryside like the bits where she's taking the photographs and it's like something from fucking Lake Mungo and she's looking at it and there's a creepy man in the corner you're like what's Dude, that what's that, that naked man creepy, there for <laughs> why, is, why is he there and why is he fucking smiling um, and, and he's yellow so it's oh, like it's mm. like oh what is this guy like that I don't know the the naked man creeped the hell out of me watching oh, it's terrifying this. yeah it's, it's terrifying like there's like the scenes and like I like yourself, I like I think anyone can relate. If you've ever like had a vacation, or you've ever stayed away, or you've ever went off the fucking grid with friends, right? And you've stayed somewhere remote. You never until the point someone mentions it, or your brain wanders off. You never really question how vulnerable you are, <laughs> right? And then someone will make a comment or tell it fucking campfire story or you'll be sitting quiet and you can't sleep and then you think no oh, someone could come in the door here <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like that that way you're like and this movie taps into that like see when he's just walking past windows i'm, I'm yeah, like oh yeah. and she can't see it and i'm like i'll oh, just like turn for around. me the the scene that's probably the scariest for me is after she sees him outside the window and then she notices the door is unlocked and yeah. she starts walking towards it and then you see like the shadow oh, out of the track of the door <laughs> like i love how that was executed 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would have shat myself as, as ultimately. <laughs> like, um, and you know, like I, I think, I think it's, I think those aspects are done really, really well. But a lot of the, a lot of the horror that I found, like really sticking with me, is that stuff that I like genuinely have never. I've never been in an abusive relationship or anything along those lines. But seeing those scenes, like that when, when her ex-husband finally lays hands on her and we get to see it turns my fucking stomach like twists yeah. it inside out and you're left just feeling ill and you don't want to watch it it's, I, I, once again it's like in a, a kind of more banal sort of term like if you've ever if you've ever been out with friends that are dating and they have a big argument in front of you and you just <laughs> wish you were anywhere other than... Yeah, you're like them. melting into your seat <laughs> like, and like, fucking, it's so awkward. I and hope this couch you eats you me. Like, <laughs> you like try to crack a joke at some point because yeah. you don't know what else to do. It's like... It's just the, it's just like the most un, like it's, that scene for me is that times a hundred. It's like, yeah. it's like that way. It's the same way I feel when I see the argument scene in Kill List um, where... Um, like the you know the, the the main guy in that movie has the argument with his girlfriend where his friends are around and um it's just fucking awful or like when when tony collette snaps at her son in hereditary and you're oh, just yeah. like this is just fucking like the most uncomfortable <laughs> or like when joe pesci uh, starts asking if if he's a clown. Am I funny, damn usual? Um, you know, like that's like those scenes where you know, like, horrible, dude. It's a, I'm Scottish, right? That's the worst joke I've ever heard in my life. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't like even with drink. It doesn't get any better. Um, you know, like but where's Dave Z? <laughs> Dave Z is Joe Pesci, though. That's unfair. Yeah. Uh, but like, I like, like when that scene happens, you just feel fucking like like I'd, I'd, I'd rather be doing anything else in the world than being stuck right. where I am right now and that's that scene like you would rather be like if you're a guy that weird that weird like bullshit masculine thing of I need to protect this like this woman steps in and if you're a woman you're just like you're you're begging her to get out the door um, it's like it, all those things are just generated in a very small fucking scene in this movie and it hangs like a cloud like over the entirety of it, I I think it's it, it's it's the it's the backbone of the movie. Like once you see that scene, and it doesn't happen right at the beginning, like almost everything that she does from that point onwards, and everything that she's done before is kind of explained. You know, like you know where she's coming from, um, and I think that's important. She makes some decisions in this movie that, from an outsider's point of view, um, like the police officers in this movie, you could feel very dismissive. Um, I, I don't think they should be, but you do get that old oh, hysterical woman. Uh, just, you know, she's alone out in the country, so she's being hysterical. Yeah. Um, and that's it's a horrible, dismissive way of doing things. Police officers are kind of like that, though. You know what I mean? They're, they're yeah, like a, lot, the, a lot of times, yeah. yeah I mean, and, it, it's, it, I can relate to a lot of what happens in this movie, even as a guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even, even, like, the relationship, like, I've never personally been in that kind of relationship yeah. myself. You know what I mean? But I've known people who have been yeah. both men and women, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's very relatable to see how trapped she is, you know what I mean? And, and, and how everything that the husband is, is doing is very controlling and, and gaslighting and, 
all the terms you want to use it it's it it's it's hard to watch (laughs) yeah the one thing you touched on slightly and i think it's worth coming back like to kind of talk about a little bit more um soundtrack in this movie score fucking Mm -hmm. love the score and the the repeated use of the kind of motif of the echo that she uses yeah um is really really smart because it adds that kind of folk horror-y sort of element because there is something weirdly kind of old-fashioned and kind of pagany and kind of you know like don't want to say midsummer but there's a kind of midsummer meets sort of wicker man sort of element of a kind of ye old timey sort of style of singing yeah and and it's so interesting too because like i picked up on that when i watched it without Mm. no like without putting it together like in the back of my head uh you know subconsciously i knew that it was like folky yeah but i never like thought about it until afterwards I wasn't thinking about it while watching the movie, but I love that that look and feel. And I, I didn't realize how much I like folk horror until yeah. the last couple of years. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's a lot of shit out there, but like the good ones are like incredible. It's it's one of those mm-hmm. things where I'm like you said, I'm kind of glad it's I'm kind of glad that it's found its kind of second win with with titles coming out that are very much leaning that way whether it's you know as as movies like you know the witch um which is like definitely specific type of folk horror um but ben wheatley i i always credit ben wheatley as being like very important in that kind of move through kill list definitely sightseers um which is more comedy but the idea of the landscape of where they are uh, adding that element of well we could just be on the run and like murder people and, and like, when you get into the movies that can span out from that like a dark song um that that kind of uh, like a cult folk horror sort of you know remote out in the woods sort of thing and then obviously the, the big heavy hitters midsummer being probably the more prominent one of of yeah. recent times um like i i think they're i think they're great and i think they're not easy to get right. I think a lot of people think they're really easy to do and they're not because I, I've lost track of how many movies <laughs> I've seen that are trying. I can see it. I can see what they're going for, but the the, the movie's like, like it's kind of flatter than a pancake. You know what I mean? It doesn't really have the, the intrigue and part of that is like it's intrigue is like the the uncomfortable level of being somewhere which isn't like like completely foreign or off the grid, but somewhere where the customs are just different enough that that kind of makes things weird. Um, and we've all been there. You've like yeah. like like I, I can't imagine for one second um, you being in America and all that you haven't like stopped off in a town somewhere on a long drive and just been like I'm not staying here longer than I have to. <laughs> fill my fucking car and get out of here um yep. <laughs> you know what i mean and there's those those levels when it's linked with specific occult rights and that's when it becomes like even more interesting the idea of people being like so religiously locked in on something that just feels like cultish is probably the best word to describe it and kind of cult films like lie adjacent like certainly the the american style of kind of folk horror movies 
are like super interesting on on some level on its most basic level the texas chainsaw massacre is a great example of a folk horror movie mm -hmm. you know it's like people being totally in the wrong place and just with customs and attitudes they don't understand it's just that's not the prominent aspect in that movie whereas a movie like the wicker man that's the prominent aspect to that movie i think it's yeah. i think it's really good i i'm 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 really excited when people tell me they are finding that genre a bit more interesting and that box set that um was it severin severin yep released, i have it which is you know like I've, i'm only halfway through it but when you start <laughs> to see like just like the pure scope of stuff that you don't know it's that way when you get into jello you know what i mean like you like you're like i'm like everyone keeps talking about these jello movies i'm gonna sit down and watch a jello and then you watch the obvious ones and then if you like them before you know it you are like hunting out the most fucking obscure sergio martino movie which never got a proper release anywhere <laughs> um has awful dubbing but you're gonna check it out because you're a completist is that sort of thing like folk horror it like appears like even that box set just appears to be scratching the surface of a whole different like crux of movies out there that are are doing things different i think it's a great backdrop for this i, I, I genuinely do i don't think it takes the forefront at any part and never and never takes the driving seat but it's is there all the way through it the same way that and i watched this recently and this is why it sprung to mind the same reason like a movie like cloverfield yeah it's a big monster movie but it's also it's it's like it's, it's a survival movie it's, it's someone trying to find and save the woman that he loves it just so happens that that's happening against the backdrop of a giant fuck off godzilla monster giant kaiju <laughs> tearing the city apart you know what i mean is that is that sort of thing like the 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 element in here of getting over the trauma and getting you know trying to build your life but trying to piece together one who you are post what's happened um and how you can move on from what has happened against the backdrop of this this bizarre little village and all the things that come with it and all the you know all the symbolism I think it's just a smart, smart move. It gives it an extra level, one that, in a lot of respects, should be very, very, very easy to pull off, but a lot of directors can't do it. So, uh, t to me, it, it works on so many levels. Um, JP, I have a question for you. Is there anything about this movie, specifically, we have not touched on yet, that you want to touch on before I ask you the all-important question? <laughs> Um, just the, the, I think the, you know, we get caught up in the, the meaning and the metaphors and, mm. and the stylistic choices and all that stuff. Um, but I actually think that a lot of people, when, when I hear them talk about this movie, uh, they kind of gloss over the incredible, like special effects at the end oh, of the film dude, that the are end just of this movie is fucking insane. Mind yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel like we need to at least say that, you know, that was a really cool idea and execution was pretty cool too. Yeah, I think from the moment, like almost like instantly from the moment that arm comes through the letterbox, you know what I mean? And yeah. like and that knife comes out. Um, like from that point, as soon as you start to see that effect, you're like, I don't want to keep mentioning other movies by other directors that I've already discussed in <laughs> Opera Omnia. But it's like when you watch Kill List and you, you have a clear idea of what Kill List is and then the hammer scene happens and then you're like, oh, all bets are fucking, I don't even know what I'm watching now. Like this is this violent as fuck. Um, <laughs> Men is exactly the same. You go through this movie for the most part seeing 
like physical abuse but no gore this is not a gory movie until it becomes a gory movie and as soon as he like unlock that padlock um this movie becomes fucking nuts um and you have essentially kind of male birth uh, into male birth and like body horror kind of transfiguration <laughs> and it is like it, it gets to that point where your brain like yourself the first time i watched this i picked out a lot of things but i didn't pick out everything and that end scene i put that on that end scene that end scene shook me up like the last 15 minutes of this movie rattled my brain so much that when I came out, I think it was about two days later, stuff in the movie started coming back to me. I was like, oh, I, they did that in the movie. Oh, that, that scene was really... You know, like, I, I was so stuck up on, like, this is just some of the most out there fucking bizarre shit. Um, and, you know, even even the way the movie ends with that, you know, like, w when we actually see the, the physical manifestation of the wounds on our ex-husband like kind of crack into place it's just the sound design and the the effects are fucking nuts but once again this is alex garland who seems to just have a great team he just seems to be able to pick brilliant people annihilation and we both said it at the time um like the 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 the, the 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 design of that movie the special effects and more importantly the the, the kind of gore um, and practical effects in that movie are fucking astonishing um, and that's that's why I, I, I struggle when people just can't make that jump to no it's a horror movie <laughs> you know what I mean like, no 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 it's, it's sci-fi um, it's the same here uh, I'd like the 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 effects through the sound design you can feel them like that hand the hand one specifically with, with, oh, with, yeah. with a knife like, I, that has never happened to me <laughs> um, <laughs> but weirdly my lizard brain kind of knows how that feels and yeah. I, I tell you right now I winced like fuck and just did not want to look at the screen but couldn't take my eyes off the screen it's kind of it's, it's very gnarly I, I think you are right it's, it's easy to kind of gloss over how how fucking bonkers the end of this movie yeah it's just bonkers is. yeah nuts. Like, um, what the hell? He, he goes for it he commits to the ending he commits yes, to yes, the, the idea of, of of expunging the idea of trauma like I, I, almost birthing it from yourself um to a place where you are never over it but you can kind of live with it the same way that something like a movie like the babadook ends in a place where you're not over it but you can kind of live with it it's it's, mm -hmm. it's that it's that sort of way of and i think it's the most articulate and smartest approach to that no one ever really gets over trauma we just get better at dealing with it. We, you know, we, we get better yeah. of recognising the signals that will set us off or, or we know what we have to do. I know that if I feel, once again, never been through anything like this before, but I know when a particularly bad mood, for whatever reason, is coming over me, I know I should just go for a walk or like play some incredibly heavy music and, and kind of just... Like, go and do something. Keep myself busy and I know that it passes... Um, and doesn't happen off, but does happen. And, and in this movie, like her being in a position where she can kind of, she's understood how to live with it without being over it. You know, kind of, you just get over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like your husband's dead. Um, I, I I like that ending, but he really swings for the fences. He does it in the most 
over-the-top, loud, shout-in-your-face sort of way. And I kind of like that because there's yeah. like huge portions of this movie that are very subtle and very quiet. And... But I can... Well, at the, the other side of that, I can see why people would say it follows into a particularly E24 formula. Um, <laughs> which it does. It does to an extent. But then I would say all horror movies end in a bang. And if they don't end in a bang... What was the end of that horror movie? <laughs> like, like, then it ends on a whipper. Yeah, like they all end in somewhere <laughs> where it goes, you know, like where something explodes or like, like or, or something is, you know, super violent or someone dies in a horrific way. They kind of have to, because that's the climax. And in this movie, um, it just goes from like one to eleven in the space of like fifteen minutes. <laughs> Love yep. it. Love it. Um, right, 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 right. Let's get down to brass tacks, young JP. Um, we, as it stand just now, have both agreed that at the end of the first episode, Ex Machina was his best movie. We kind of had to, because that was the first movie. At the end of the second episode, though, we both agreed that Annihilation was his best movie, so we transferred it to his second movie. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to put my cards on the table. Uh, Men is my favourite movie that the director has done thus far. Yes, it fits more comfortably in my favourite genre. Um, and yeah, it's a bit, maybe a bit more straightforward than, than some of his other movies that he's done. But to me, um, I think he, he nails... I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't think he's actually ever released a perfect movie. I think there's always that one aspect where I'm like... I maybe just don't get that bit as much or it doesn't resonate as much with me as I, I feel it probably should but this is the one that kind of connected most with the, me genre wise like I say it, 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 it tickles me in all the right spots um, but it delivers so much uh, of what I have come to appreciate from the, direct, uh, the director himself um, and I know he's working with A24 on his next movie which um, Paul, you're talking, I will find out details of uh, because you will eventually be back on to, yep. to, to do that movie when we get to it. But yeah, I, I am, um, I, I, yeah, I, this is my favourite thing that he's he's ever done. So um, yeah, this is, this is my top one. The question for you, JP, is are you going to join me on... That seems like a weird thing to say, men. Uh, or are you going to stick with your favourite being Annihilation? What say you? Am I going to enjoy... In, in, are you going to enjoy am men? Gonna, <laughs> am I going to join you on men? Are you going to join me on men? That's a, Trust me, that's a, a video that people do not want to see. So, um, so coming into this, uh, I was wondering the same thing mm. um because it is very close for me i love uh annihilation so much um but after the fourth watch on this film <laughs> I, I do think that you are correct i i think this is is well at least my the favorite of of his films but probably possibly even the best of them mm. um yeah it's uh it has a lot of rewatchability as well um which i've figured out by watching it four times <laughs> um but yeah so i i'll i'll uh agree with you on that nice nice uh so we are both uh saying at the end of this episode and the end of this series thus far both myself and jp are saying that men is the best movie but unlike maybe all the other 
series that I've done thus far. Like, like this guy's like hitting hard and high on all these movies. Like th there is not a movie here that feels subpar at all. And what we've seen is I'm working with the tiniest of tiny budgets on Ex Machina through massive budgets on Annihilation to more moderate budgets on Men and never really compromising. I get the feeling that when his name is ever going to be attached to anything, I'm going to be with it. Um, and that swings us to his upcoming A24 movie, which there is very little known about this movie out with the cast. The movie is called Civil War. It will be an R-rated movie. It stars Kirsten Dunst and the main role, which I think she's a great actress and I always look forward to seeing her um, do something else. Um, and a lot of other genre names that you will know when you see their face. Um, so yeah, no details about this one at all. Uh, so we'll just need to wait and see what happens. Um, and at the moment, no release date. Uh, everything's everything's kind of locked in. I imagine not this year because A24 are, are like pretty much set for the rest of the year, I believe. So I think we'll probably be seeing it next year. But the, the other big news, um, which we get every couple of years and we always laugh about it because, you know, is it ever going to happen? And rumour is that it will be happening, although I believe it when I fucking see it, uh, is Danny Boyle will be returning with 28 months later. Now, remember, Alex Garland was the author, well, the writer of the story for 28 days later and 28 weeks later so um yeah um when it'll happen who fucking knows uh all we know is uh killian murphy is is uh, signed signed up to reprise his role but i will believe it when i fucking see it um, I think <laughs> right that's that's literally one that comes up every couple years yeah like for the last like as long as I can remember. Yeah, like, I, 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 the reason I'm not going to completely say it's not going to happen is Beetlejuice 2 is happening, and I've been saying for about 15 Dude, years that yes. movie is not fucking happening, and it is now <laughs> happening. So you can never say never. Yeah, yeah. It Every once in a while. Like, honestly, a lot of the stuff that gets mentioned does seem to eventually happen, whether it's 10 years after yeah. it's mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, so, uh, so I, I reckon we'll be seeing Civil War before we'll be seeing 28 months later. But um, regardless, I'm I'm super curious. Like I say, um, this one is classed as an action movie, so um, we'll see. I, I don't think anything um, is one-dimensional with, with Alex Garland. Yeah, I can't imagine so. I look forward to it. Uh, right, JP, uh, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, running through his movies. Like I say, there will be an addendum episode as when he releases something new. But in the interim, I know you are on a hiatus just now for summer with your other podcast, but uh, tell the folks where they can go out and listen to your back catalogue in the interim. Get caught up. Uh, yeah, um, you could find us on Spotify or you know, all the podcast catching uh, apps, uh, 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. That's the podcast. Um, like he said, we're on hiatus right now, but we'll be back. Nice. I like it. Uh, yeah, all the, the links to your, your stuff that are always in the show notes anyway, so people can go and check it out. And like I say, perfect time to go back just now and catch up so when you guys come back, uh, you can slide seamlessly into it. And they're not going to be shortchanged. 
on an episode of 22 Shots. Um, you were telling me, and I already knew this, but like as soon as you mentioned it again, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Episodes run, on average, about how long? <laughs> Well, it, like for the longest time, like five, six hours, <laughs> uh, we have recently scaled back to about three hours to four hours, so Slacker. a little bit shorter, but <laughs> our actual first episode back will be our top 10 films of 1980 featuring oh, Dave Z nice. as well and uh, Carly. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, so we go literally round tree and, you know, this is my number 10 this is my number you know and 1980 is a, a great year for horror so yeah. a very great year also a very busy year a lot of titles yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you guys always the thing i love is you always do your research like you always come in with like uh, you know i like did 75 movies for that one year. yeah uh i think dave parker watched uh 170 That's from 1980 yeah i'm close i'm like around 75 which is usually my my mark i hit but dave and moods are always over 100 yes. usually and fucking scene but then i'm gonna put it this way i think on that level um you as a as a person uh get get the opportunity to steer the really really bad ones um when they're like that oh i watched this movie and it was fucking horrific <laughs> you'd be like you know i'm not in a hurry to watch that i will just I'll leave that i'll leave that aside uh so yeah go check out the 22 shots of moods and horror opera omnia uh will be back uh, within the next month with uh, Richard Glenn Schmidt and we will be sitting down and doing an addendum episode uh, trying to tie up these things over summer for Peter Strickland where we cover his movie from last year Flux Gourmet a bizarre very very strange I'm going to say horror comedy it's more a genre horror comedy um, about flatulence that's right a whole lot of farting in that movie um and and if ever i was going to discuss a movie like that richard glenn smith is the man that i want with me uh, and like i mentioned before we'll be uh, lining up um the old uh, mr watson uh, to make a return to talk about in the earth uh, which was ben wheatley's lockdown movie and um in july uh when we all go out and check out the meg 2 directed by Ben Wheelie, a sentence once again that I struggle to get my brain to operate on. Um, then after that, later on in the year, towards the end of the year, we will be back with a shorter uh, run on the old uh, the old Opera Omnia as we do the one-two punch on Panos Cosmotos, uh, doing Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy. Uh, I believe he is slowly working on a brand new film, but I reckon at his rate of releasing movies, it's probably another couple of years away. Um, so until then, thank you very much for checking out Opera Omnia in this season four. Thank you very much to my guest, JP, and I will speak to you all on the next episode. Bye, everyone. <laughs>